You're listening to Spaghetti and Freddy, a podcast hosted by Cablasso and Yoli, in which we discuss both Spaghetti Westerns and the Nightmare on Elm Street film series, along with all things Freddy Krueger. This is episode 16, and we're discussing Duck, You Sucker from 1971, directed by Sergio Leone. have you been what's new and exciting yeah so i've, I've been doing welcome blasto it's good to be back you know we're starting fresh season two kicking things off with uh duck you sucker tonight very excited yeah we're back we're back, we're back. baby back baby <laughs> yeah um uh, how yeah, are no, you I, i've been doing well i've been doing well i okay. actually you know i know we often will talk about movies that, that we've been watching and that sort of sure. thing but uh i did watch a handful of movies but mm-hmm. i don't want to talk about them you don't I, have to. I want to talk about the movie I'm going to see tomorrow. Oh, okay. Can I guess what it is? Uh, Sure, I'll, I'll give you a couple guesses. Is it in the theater? I'm going to see it in the theater. Okay, so it's not new then. It's not new. It's, but it's a movie that... Okay. <laughs> um, is it horror? No. Although it is based on a story by Dario Argento. Oh. Okay. Um, oh man, that opens up many doors. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure uh, it does. I'm gonna see Once Upon a Time in the West, directed by Sergio Leone. Amazing. Which I haven't seen, as you probably know. Right. Yeah. No, I haven't seen it either. Um, mm. But yeah, there's a, a local art house cinema uh, near where I live that they're this month actually they were doing a Once Upon a Time uh, series where once a week they were mm-hmm. doing a different Once Upon a Time story. So I think first they did Once Upon a Time in America, which is actually mm-hmm. also Sergio Leone. It's like one of the last ones he did. It came out in the 80s. And then mm-hmm. they did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But this is the last one. But yeah, I was really excited because um, I haven't seen it. And I'm like, wow, I had this opportunity to go see it on the big screen. Uh, that'll probably be really amazing. So yeah, so I'm going to seize the opportunity. It's actually playing uh, this week, uh, tonight and tomorrow night only. So I'll be going tomorrow evening. And I'm very That's excited awesome. about it. And actually, so since we just watched, you know, for tonight's show, um, well, it goes by several names. Uh, Ducky Sucker, also known as Fistful of Dynamite, also known as Once Upon a Time the revolution yes yeah and so apparently you know we know sergio leone started with the dollars trilogy which wasn't really Mm -hmm. an intended trilogy it's kind of like something that production companies slapped onto it for marketing to kind of tie three movies together but so i guess there's also a second trilogy of leone's that's basically like the fairy tale trilogy or the once upon a time trilogy and i guess uh once upon a time in the west is the first Mm -hmm. one came out in 1968 and it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be his last kind of like full-on well, because, you know, the movie we just watched is also a Western, but it has some elements of kind of like the change of time and like modern, you know, things. Sure. But so yeah. once, upon, once Upon a Time in the West is supposed to be kind of like the last sort of just traditional Western, okay. you know, set in that time or whatever. And then the next one, Once Upon a Time 
uh, the revolution that we'll be discussing today, aka Ducky Sucker. It's sort of a transitional, like where you have the elements of the West. You still have people on horses, horse-drawn carriages, but then we also start to see like automobiles, and obviously there's mm-hmm. you know a guy riding a motorcycle. So it's kind of like starting to get those hints of like the modern age and the times changing. And then the third movie, Once Upon a Time in America, is actually more of a gangster film, like crime gangster mm-hmm. film, not a Western uh, per se. And it's you know I think it takes it's supposed to be set in like the 20s or something like that. But when there's more, you know, there's a lot more automobiles and just like machinery and like that whole evolution of things. But yeah, so it's another trilogy, quote unquote, where it's like it's not really, you know, the same characters. It's not the same story connection type of thing. It's just really this kind of element of fairy tale. Yeah, Yeah. thematic fairy tale element and that whole once upon a time uh, notion that uh, makes it a a trilogy, I guess. But yeah, just kind of like cool. And it was like just total fluke that, you know, because we weeks ago had kind of planned out our season two and like what we were going to watch and when and just by chance like we're covering you know duck you sucker for our our first episode of season two to kick things off and um by chance they're showing once upon a time in the west tomorrow i'll get to go see it so yeah so it's all very serendipitous and i'm very excited to go see it on the big screen tomorrow that's awesome can't wait to tell you all about it next week (laughs) yeah no I'm, i'm excited for you yeah yeah and as i was watching this movie i wanted to see that movie so now yeah. I just want to fill in all the gaps, basically. Yeah, I so. mean, well, I'll have to see if I enjoy it, but I have a hunch we may circle back because it seems like probably, you know, all the Leonis are seem like fairly quintessential. And yeah, uh, he did. He really didn't make that many films. I think he made like about seven films total. So, yeah. And I and not to trivialize anything, because like just making one movie is like so much work and can take to- so much time. And when you think about the scope and the epic grand scale that like, you know, are in the majority of his movies, um, it's like it's, you know, it's amazing that he did like you know six or seven films so but what about what about you what have you what have you been getting into i i watched three movies in a row yesterday because i'm a madman <laughs> who who clearly doesn't like i was trying hard to keep this this movie in mind and sure. then i filled my head with three other movies <laughs> um anything watched, good uh boop, 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 boop. I liked the third movie I watched uh, enough so that no, no. Well, the first, <laughs> oh, actually, first... now that I think about it, I think I saw a one star review from you come come through my feed today. <laughs> they basically, literally, my reviews were I think a one star, two star, and three star. In yeah, that progressively order better. That I watched them. Yeah, so it's okay. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, the first. I'm not even going to name the first movie. I don't. It's the not one worth star. My time. <laughs> yeah, it's not worth my time. Um, but. Um, Regardless, the third movie I watched was uh, Black Phone, The Black Phone. Oh, right. Which, fairly which, new, which, right? Yeah. Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which I was interested in because I like Ethan Hawke, but it's also based on a Joe Hill short story, which is Stephen King's son. Right, right. And, and I've enjoyed what I've read by Joe Hill. But uh, Black Phone, while I don't necessarily feel like it did anything I've never seen before, I was still entertained by it. Oh, good. Um, but I will use it to plug in another movie that I feel like no one knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want, there's some supernatural elements to Black Phone. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything here. But uh, there's another movie with no supernatural elements, not necessarily based on a true story, but it's called The Clove Hitch Killer. I don't believe it's based on a true story. But regardless, this movie made me want to watch that movie again. And. It's out there, but it could be a little diff- tricky to track down. I mean, I think all of these you can just pay like four bucks and rent. But uh, yeah, 
but it was good. Clove Hitch Killer was really good. But Black Matt or sorry, Black Phone, it was entertaining. If you can see it in the right circumstances, I'd say it's worth your time. Cool. But I'm sure it'll be free on streaming soon. Yeah, but... I think I I think it might be on Peacock or something like that. Um... Yeah, I think I think it might be like Peacock Plus. Yeah. So but anyway, so yeah, nothing too exciting. Okay. I guess that's all I've got for now. Should we get into the yeah, epic, I think epic film we're covering tonight? <laughs> I think we should. Would you like me to start with the synopsis? And... I would love that. All right. Duck, you sucker, also known as Fistful of Dynamite or Once Upon a Time, The Revolution, is a Zapata Western, meaning it takes place during the Mexican Revolution. Set in 1913, this film tells the story of Juan Miranda, a Mexican outlaw leading a group of bandits. This group includes his six sons, each from a different mother. One fateful day, Juan's path crosses with that of Sean, aka John, Mallory, an early Irish Republican and an explosives expert who rides a motorcycle and is currently working in Mexico as a silver miner. When Juan realizes the level of skill that John has with dynamite and nitroglycerin, he immediately tries to recruit John to help him rob the Mesa Verde National Bank. John initially refuses, but Juan is relentless, and he finally coerces John to help him. When John and Juan arrive in Mesa Verde, they get involved with the group of Mexican revolutionaries, led by a physician named Dr. Viega. Juan has no interest in becoming a revolutionary. He simply wants to get all the money locked up deep in the vaults of the bank. However, after blasting into the vaults and discovering what is really hidden in the bank, Juan Miranda finds himself to be a revolutionary hero, even though he never intended to be one. That was that was good. Can you start giving me these uh, synopses <laughs> before I watch the movie? Just to like help me out. There, there was many points in watching this movie that I was scratching my head and having to rewind and yeah I, just, I had a couple moments like that as well <laughs> yeah and I'm like is this I'm like this isn't a David Lynch film like it shouldn't be trying to piece together things right. um but regardless I mean we'll get there I'll ask all my questions and then yeah. I'm sure you'll, you'll you'll have all the answers <laughs> so, well, have, having the bonus features and the commentary helped kind of fill oh, yeah. in some gaps sure um, but there is definitely uh, one scene transition that stands out to me that i was really kind of like wait what what just happened but yeah we'll get into yeah. it <laughs> we'll yeah we'll get into it yeah yeah uh okay so a couple of things that i wanted to mention is just this movie is three years after the good the bad the ugly and i had a friend ask me and while we were doing season one if we we're going to cover this movie oh. so it, it that was somewhat interesting so anyway, it was already on my radar to a degree, but I will say, and I know that this is part of the marketing conversation, Duck You Sucker, uh, it really is a title that seems like it's going to be a Three Stooges episode or something to that effect. Mm. I mean, when you watch it, the line is said mm -hmm. many times, <laughs> which I, I don't mind. Um, but I do have to mention that I guess Sergio thought that duck you sucker was a common phrase in america which is why <laughs> why he i guess approved it or picked that yeah. name 
And it's also oh. like a, like the close translation of um, the Italian title, uh, Giù la testa, which kind of means like, keep your head down, like, don't get involved. Yeah, put your head down, fools, or something like that. Yeah. And it's like translation, which makes a, is a clever name for this movie based on the events that happen. It's just mm-hmm. keep your head down, stay out of things. Yeah, sure. Um, so, okay. We... <laughs> I'm not going to go through everything, but there's so many, there's some really distinct things in this movie that this movie, I guess I did a little research about the behind the scenes and suffered from a lot of editing when it was shown in other countries to the point of where some things didn't make sense Mm -hmm. or things were just controversial or people didn't know people wouldn't have got it at the time, supposedly. So, but we start off with a quote from uh, Mao Zedong, Mm -hmm. which I probably butchered his name but um <laughs> i didn't write down the quote and it's a long quote but uh which really isn't going to help anyone from a audio standpoint <laughs> it's essentially like the revolution is like not nice and polite it's not a piece of embroidery on your wall yes. it's it's violent and it's you know an upheaval of everything like i'm completely paraphrasing but that's kind of the sentiment of the quote and, I, and i'm just going to build off of that quick because this isn't about but um yeah, the point of the film, which you realize this is kind of a nastier film than mm-hmm. some, oh, like yeah. it's, it's a bit it, darker. It's a bit more yeah. mature, quote unquote, um, it, than the it, Dollar Trilogy. It's a little shocking, honestly, in many ways, uh, yeah. some of the imagery in this movie. Mm-hmm. I say that in a good way um, because I felt like it's like more real almost or yeah yeah it's definitely more real which the irony with it being kind of like the fairy tale trilogy but i but i do get what you're saying like it's and and you you also have a scene where a guy blows himself up with dynamite off screen and then you someone's left like holding the brim of his hat very kind (laughs) of looney tunes you know and and there's no emotional reaction and yet there's these very real visceral scenes of war Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah throughout that are like as shocking as any i mean it's definitely commentary and it's meant to yeah. it's effective it's an yeah. effective movie mm-hmm. but um i think that uh coming off of what you might have expected from his the previous trilogy it's shocking you know yeah i mean definitely. like kind of so, just jarring a bit like not necessarily yeah. in a bad way but just yeah yeah, yeah not not gets a bad your attention <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweeps you off uh, your feet a little bit, dare I say. Uh, yeah, a lot more adult. Yeah, a lot more, um, There's, it's more crude in many yeah. ways. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of interesting, I guess, for the John character, he had tried to court Clint to play the role, mm-hmm. which was probably, I mean, maybe from a commercial success, um, I don't, you know, probably would have helped, I'm sure. But also, I think it would have possibly, I, I, I think it was a good thing to have a different actor and just to have this movie have a different feel. Although mm-hmm. I will say that the actor that played Juan did remind me of the character of Tuco to a degree from Good, the Bad, the Ugly. Oh, yeah, me too, me too. And I guess the part was actually written for Eli Wallach initially. Oh, yeah. And they, um, Sergio Leone was really trying to get him on board, but he had already signed on to another um, project, another film, another job. But uh, Leone was just like, no, you have to be in my film. You have to be in my film. So um, 
Eli Wallach actually quit the other the other job, the other film or whatever he was doing to, to agree to come be in, in this film. But then um, the producers or the, yeah, the production company, they wanted someone with a bigger name and someone that was also more um, like respected, quote unquote, in the industry. And I guess uh, Rod Steiger had like just won an Oscar like a year or two before um, for another film. So he had that like prestige around him. So that's why the studio said like, no, like we we want Rod Steiger in this movie or, or we're not making the movie. So oh, wow. um, they they turned out um, that they couldn't have Eli Wallach because of that. And then Eli Wallach actually came back and sued, which like, you know, I can understand him being upset. He quit this whole other job to come be in this, you know, movie for Leone and then he, he couldn't be in the movie. So, but yeah, even uh, just watching Rod Steiger's performance or I mean, not so much the actor, but the character, you know, the way it was written yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely reminded me of Tuco. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, like. Anything this character did, I could have seen Tuco do, yeah, you know? for sure. Uh, that's funny that, because I don't know Rod Steiger. No, me neither. Uh, I mean, I, or I Or I didn't. Yeah, right. I was but thinking... I heard... Go ahead. Sorry? Sorry? No, no, no. Okay. No, I was just going to say, I had heard that on set, he butted heads with Sergio. And, right. uh, and would try to say, like, you know, I'm an Oscar award winning actor and... Sergio yeah. did not give a damn. Right, late, right. La- later, I guess, offset and stuff, uh, Rod would speak highly of Sergio. That's but right. on, on set, there's some egos. That's right. That were, yeah. But um, so uh, t- 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 what, what were you? Sorry, oh, I cut you off. No, you're good. I, I was. I think I was interrupting you, actually. But um, I was just going to say that I, I thought Rod Steiger's performance was actually really good in this movie. I was really yeah. impressed with him. Um, and his performance of this character, Juan Miranda. Um, yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I thought the performances in general were great. Um, the intro to him, too, is, I mean, <laughs> urinating on a ant pile, mm-hmm. which uh, the thing that I like about these movies in general is that in meeting a character at the beginning, you don't necessarily know who the character is, what the role in the plot, what the movie is right. going to be. I mean, I go into these without watching the trailer. So his character is portrayed as this, you know, this poor guy who's trying to just get home to see his family or something like that. And the stagecoach takes him in and you know they're like, oh, yeah, throw him in the stagecoach. I can't wait to see what they think of him. And he gets in there and it's all these white rich Rich bougie people people. yeah yeah Mm. yeah just ridiculous and so uh just to my point of expectations of a film you know i don't know if this character is going to be a hero Mm -hmm. a bad guy someone we see in just a scene yeah a nobody yeah yeah nobody yeah yeah you never know It, it just because they're the character that opened the movie, it means sure. nothing. No, no. So, and he wasn't which, even really saying anything in, in that first scene. You know, he was kind of playing it, playing it dumb, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and that opening scene was really good. Um, yeah, no, I know. I was riveted. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, you've got all these, uh, to use your phrasing, which I think is perfectly appropriate, these bougie people just being racist assholes like there's no other word no no other way to describe it and they're repeat looping some of the audio and what they're saying and showing close close close-ups of their mouths and they're eating but like in a gluttonous gross fashion and like you can see them chewing and yes it definitely like it's making a statement (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh, exactly. And it's a very clear statement. It's interesting because I I realize now that Peter Jackson used the same tactic in oh, Return, right. of, Return of the King when he's yeah. showing uh, Boromir's father yeah, yeah. Um, eating. And it was literally a cherry tomato event, which they had in this movie. Because I knew there was another movie where I saw like a cherry tomato and then sure, just like, sure. yeah. So, <laughs> yes, it's so gross. Hmm. Um, but luckily... I mean, I say that with knowing this is a movie. <laughs> Luckily, we find out that, well, well, we believe at first that this character is the good guy by comparison. Sure. And, um, you know, the, the stagecoach gets robbed and they do shoot like one of these people in the head. And I, I will say the I don't know if the the. Um, punishment fits the crime per se but because then it's basically implied that they they strip these people it's implied that juan rapes a woman and then they put put these people in a cart and then throw them down a hill naked into a pigsty yeah into a pigsty and so there's humorous bits to it but it gets really real in there too to the point of where it's like you're not if you're not paying attention at first you're like okay this is kind of ridiculous fun and yeah. But the, and also, you'll I don't know if you noticed, but there is when a guy gets shot in the head, there's blood on his head. Whereas some of the previous ones, yeah. you didn't see blood like characters would get shot. They, theatrical falling over, yes, spinning around, yeah. fall over. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it's a little more real. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you realize that this guy's kind of the bad guy. <laughs> I mean, it's all this movie in general, I guess, is all just a matter of perspective. Uh, it's not really trying to beat you over the head over good or bad um, right. which which is ironic i guess given good the bad and the ugly mm-hmm. you know where they literally labeled characters as good and bad yeah this is more ambiguous sure. um but yeah we, we quickly meet john or sean as you said after this well because he's an irishman right and then when mm-hmm. juan is like initially asking him like hey what's your name and john was kind of a bit a bit dazed in the moment i don't remember exactly why he rides um, in his motorcycle and i yeah. think maybe they just like shoot his motorcycle and disable oh, that's it. right that's right so he's probably just a little taken aback by that um but he first kind of goes sean um and then the guy you know juan's like wait what and he goes john so and I guess there's like a little bit of debate that either I guess like Sean is kind of technically the same as John, but just for, you know, in Ireland, that's you hear Sean more. Sure. And then like one source said that like, oh, um, he just his name's Sean, but Juan just mishears him and then just keeps calling uh, him John and is like, we're going to be John and John or Johnny and Johnny. And sure. like, it just becomes like a thing. And John just becomes John and accepts it. And then there's yet another theory, um, which we haven't uh, touched on this yet because it comes later. But basically, John, this Irishman, he has a few flashbacks throughout the film to his uh, prior Mm -hmm. life in Ireland. And we get little bits and hints that, you know, we see him like kissing a woman, maybe his his girlfriend, his love, whatever. But there's also another guy in the car driving and everyone seems really happy. So it kind of seems like he's driving maybe like with his best friend and his lady or something like that. There's more to this story, but we we won't get super into that just yet. 
But basically the other theory is that um, the guy, the friend that's striving, that maybe his name was Sean. So John was thinking about him and said Sean initially. And yeah, it gets a little complicated. But I guess in the script, that other friend guy is always referred to as Nolan, but maybe his name's Sean Nolan. So there's, so there's a few kind of running theories about is he Sean? Is he John? And then the Ennio Morricone score for this movie, oh my God. which is phenomenal. But there's like one part that has kind of a lyric where it's like, Sean, Sean, Sean. Which I didn't even realize that they were like literally saying the name Sean. Like I thought it was kind of just like an automatopoeia, like just like some noise or indecipherable like lyric being said. Like yeah. so, like later when I heard commentators talking about they're they saying his name Sean, I was like, oh. <laughs> so yeah. So anywho. Yeah. So I wrote down Sean, Sean, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> vocals to music, which you know I had heard other people in other reviews saying about how they say his name, and I'm like. They're not saying his name. They're saying Sean. <laughs> it's clearly Sean. Yeah, it's like a name, noise. His, his, yeah, his name is John. So, but anyway, yeah. So, yeah. but the, I mean, the, all that's kind of just minor. Like, you're not really. I don't know. That's the stuff that I'm like seething at the mouth uh, or seething. What's the phrase? I don't want to imply that I have rabies uh, <laughs> and, and, and frothing in the mouth. Because yeah. those are those are the details that I'm looking for because. This movie has some weird bits yeah. that seem horrific. They seem like, if you've seen the movie Sleepaway Camp, it makes me think of that movie and that you get these flashbacks. Like a flashbacks. shocking reveal. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. That there's more going on here. And yeah. um, and I believe some of those flashbacks were cut in some releases, which That's right. would, would leave an audience scratching their head that much more. Right, um, right. And they show them out of order. And then I actually found on YouTube where they took them all and strung them into order, uh, all the flashbacks. Mm -hmm. And I will say it still left me scratching my head because it's freaking weird, which (laughs) that's a a little weird. It's good. That's a good thing in my book. I like the weirdness. I did not expect it. Sure. There's a lot of really good things in this movie. I -hmm. mean, I know we're starting to just like talk about characters, but I thought the flashbacks and the weirdness of that were, were interesting. I thought the, the the harshness of some of it was really interesting. It's it's this movie is an emotional roller coaster, and you're probably going to be able to string together me saying that phrase sarcastically and sincerely over many episodes. <laughs> but I'm saying it sincerely here because this movie also does deal with which Sergio has done before in uh, for a few dollars more the the bromance. Um, uh, I'll use the yeah. term out of time. The bromance of John and Juan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and, it's a buddy film. Yeah, and I fall for it every freaking time. <laughs> I enjoy it every time. It, uh, yeah. I, it, yeah, there's scenes where they are popping up to help each other mm-hmm. in moments of desperation or whatever. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm like, I'm very excited yeah. by by their excitement. Yeah, because we see that evolution because it starts out, oh, yeah. as, you know, an unlikely pair and John doesn't want to help Juan. And it's, you and, know, kind of all um, a bit uh, volatile in the beginning. Oh, very. very. <laughs> but but they do like the characters evolve and you see them, you know, start to care about each other and start to help each other out. Um, and then, you know, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but toward the end, sure. it's kind of like they really just have each other. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get to yeah. That. We'll get to that. Yeah. And I will say, too, that it doesn't feel like it's a by the numbers. And even if maybe you're to map it out and say, 
you know, they start off because this guy's using this guy for this and mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Maybe if you're, you're to map it out that way, but the way it's actually filmed and acted and scripted, it doesn't feel, it feels organic. It feels mm -hmm. natural uh, versus feeling like a buddy comedy or, you know, yeah. just a, a parody of something. Sure, um, sure. And, and I don't think it's because of the time when this movie came out at all. I think it's because it's a good script. Yeah, I think it was well-directed. I think it's a good movie. Yeah, and Sergio Leone had, like, things to say and, like, statements he was making that yes. were, I think, were a little more thought out and just intentional than some of his prior films where he was, you know, exploring what he could do um, as a director and, and learning, obviously. And, yeah, there's definitely, like, some growth and maturity to this film. Um, and that's not, like, a dis, you know, on the on the previous uh, dollar films yeah. or anything. So yeah. I, I think they're great. But yeah, he's like, it's, Sergio Leone as a director is really like, I don't know, it sounds silly to say he's growing on me, but like, I'm just becoming more and more impressed by him, the more of his films that, I, that I'm seeing. Me too. I think the Dollars Trilogy, or Man With No Name Trilogy, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. is easier to sell to people. Like, I think this movie appeals to a certain audience, but I think, I mean, basically, if you watch his movies as they come out, you know the the sequence of i mean i haven't seen his early movies that we had mentioned but i think then you can naturally grow into this but i think if i hadn't seen those movies and just in film in general i think i'd appreciate this movie on its own because of the way it approaches various topics mm -hmm. and i guess and i don't know a lot about italian history but i guess some of it was stemming from his own becoming uh, disenchanted with with the state of Italy mm -hmm. um, yeah. and he maybe he was just using this as a platform because he people were paying attention to him now to yeah. kind of make a comparison to the revolution that was going on in the film right. um, but that being said the movie really has a mishmash of genres I mean there's comedy and like for example yeah, I just kind of pull out a few random things they, the whole plot point of uh, this bank being full of riches mm -hmm. and he's going to send, he, he has Juan go in. Uh, once again, it reminds me of, I think The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, mm -hmm. where he, was that the one where Clint was basically just hired and was just sort of sitting and doing his own thing while everyone else was doing the battles? Or was that a different movie entirely? It was either The Good, The Bad, The Ugly or A Few Dollars More. Okay. Well, we'll just keep going. But that same idea was kind of here. Like, uh, No, it was A Few Dollars More. Because, was it? Yeah, because it had uh, Gian Maria Volante, who was not in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Um, okay. With the whole like bank heist thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, similar idea where basically you had John kind of just hanging back. Juan went ahead and yeah, took down this John's bank. like the dynamite man. Yep. yep. We have to talk about how we first meet John. Okay? Oh, okay. Yeah. I've, I've, <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's go through that. Uh, I mean, we don't have to go through every little thing, but like this was a no. moment. <laughs> when, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So Juan's with this, like, this is when they've already kind of, um, you know, taken overtaken the carriage. It got held up, like you said, and then it's later yep. revealed that um, the group of bandits that held up the carriage, they're actually working with Juan Miranda and, um, you know, a, a large portion of that group of bandits are his kids, his sons. Um, he has six sons. Mm -hmm. 
but yeah, so they like hijack this carriage and they they send all the the people in the pigsty and like whatever. And then yeah, the, the Irish guy rolls into town riding a motor riding a motorcycle with with the wackiest music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which which there's a song and I should look up the name, but it's a song you know when birds magically appear every oh, right, time right. you're near. Yeah, sounds sounds musically a little bit like that. Yeah, but like a Clockwork Orange version of it. Right, it's mm-hmm. like twisted. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Very bizarre. And I think they, sh- I think they shoot out his tire just because he's kind of like this foreign person coming into this territory, and they're you know this big gang of people, so they, they can mm-hmm. do that, I guess. Um, but yeah, he's like riding this motorcycle, and then he has to get off it because he gets you know shot at. He's wearing this like big long duster trench coat kind of thing, and uh, he's I think he tells him like, oh, you don't want you better not keep shooting at me, and you know you don't want to do that and they're like well why and then he like opens up his trench coat to reveal like the inner lining with sticks of dynamite on like either side so good yeah Uh, i think i wrote down his oh yeah he said if i fall they'll have to alter all the maps yeah which i thought was great right (laughs) but he's got all this dynamite and then he like out of his pocket he pulls out this like little cylinder vial of like clear looking liquid and you see him very carefully pour out like one single drop and it makes this like fairly significant explosion and then we learn that yeah it's nitroglycerin and he's this explosives expert you know dynamite and all this sort of thing um, and that's when Juan becomes very enchanted with him and he sees this like halo over his head with like, you know, the like Mesa oh, yeah. National Bank, like, oh, like, you know, John is this angel that's going to like take him to, you know, this this heavenly bank with all these riches. And he starts calling him like firecracker. And he's like, yeah, yeah. he's like, you have the holy water, like meaning the nitroglycerin to like, you know, get us into the bank. He's like, you, you do it with the holy water and then I'll go in and take all the money. And like, so he's like, cash up this plan that, you know, he's got to have this like dynamite man come like solve all his problems get him into this bank and get him all this money or whatever but yeah i, I just really want to talk about how he rides it on the motorcycle and then the big trench coat like dynamite reveal because it was pretty badass uh, yeah i thought that was great and also the first time they see ducky soccer he takes a stick of dynamite like yeah. th- throws it on top of the stagecoach and he just mm-hmm. tells one he s- says the title says the line okay. yeah and then <laughs> boom gone is the stagecoach so it's basically tit for tat in terms of they shot up his motorcycle, he blows up the stagecoach. They kind of follow suit with that a little bit uh, or continue to do that. And I mean, it's entertaining. Oh, this, sorry, I just saw a note. Actually, no, this this note follows about blowing up the entire carriage. I'm jumping ahead, but it's worth saying. In a train scene, one of the horses has a hat on it. There's a horse wearing a hat. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I wrote that down. I would have forgot. If you see this movie for no other reason, just to see a horse wearing a hat. They also wear goggles in some of the scenes where there's like oh. a lot of dust. And apparently that was oh. like a real thing that Sergio Leone kind of latched onto because, you know, he was always perusing like the history books because he was like oh. interested in it. And like, yeah. he would see these little like visual details and be like, oh, that was like something that happened. And he would like incorporate it into the film, which is kind of cool. cool. Yeah, That's cool. I miss the goggles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Okay, so sorry. One more random aside, only because you said something about Clockwork no. Orange. Yes, we can always go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I guess Malcolm McDowell was considered yes, for, the, for right. the part of John, um, and or he was also considered for the part of John's friend, and they obviously wound up going with other people. But yeah, I guess he was kind of not even that popular yet. He was mostly known for a film called if. if at the time. Yep. yep. But that would have been interesting. 
Clockwork Orange came out in 71. So they would have been coming out at the same yeah, time. Yeah, or he, maybe he had filmed it, but it hadn't like hit the theaters sure. yet and like, you know, blown up the way the way it did. But but James yeah. Coburn was good, so you know. Yeah. It was really um, good. Okay. We're we're coming up on one of the parts that initially confused me. And maybe okay. you're maybe you're confused by this too. Because after their initial meeting, you know, oh, and, and I'm all over the board. I was gonna I was talking about the bank when he went to the bank, but tell oh, me what yeah, you're yeah. gonna talk about. Well, I was just gonna say the whole thing with like Quan being like, okay, I want you to, to I want us to work together, and you know, and you do the dynamite, sure. and you bust into the bank, so then I'll go get the money, blah blah. And like John was like very adamant, like, no, I don't want to do this, and I'm already mm-hmm. working, mm-hmm. you know, to get silver for this other guy, this is German guy, um, and he's just like, no, I don't want to work with you. And then I think he tries to like leave again, like he had made like the bandits fix mm-hmm. up his bike, he had a spare tire, and they fixed it up for him, and all this rigmarole, and then he was gonna like leave yeah. again. Uh, but Juan was just like, you know super irritated um, and mm-hmm. upset that he doesn't want to work with him and help him out to rob these banks or whatever. So he like shoots his tire out again. He's like trying to walk away and he's like shooting at his feet and like, you know, just not letting up. Um, but the John guy is like, not like liking this either. And they're kind of just both yeah. pissed at each other and everything. And he's still kind of saying like, no, like I'm not going to do this. And then there's like a cut to this other scene with John, um, like watching what looks like maybe it's maybe it's a bank maybe it's a church it's like some sort of building and there's people going in and he's got like a little detonator for like dynamite or whatever yeah. and he's like watching yeah. it and i'm yeah. like what is he doing how did he get there who yeah. are these people like i have no idea and then juan and he, shows up like yeah. and he, he he detonates the thing he like steps on the like little lever to make the the dynamite go and it blows up this building and john was kind of like well, who are those people? And then Juan's like, oh, it's, you know, so-and-so, like the German guy's name. And he's like, oh, he won't be a problem for you anymore. But like this whole thing to me was just like so confusing how we like jumped from the one scene to this and like mm-hmm. they somehow found each other again. And then like, why did Sean even, or John, excuse me, why did he even set up the dynamite if he didn't know who the people were? Like, why was he even doing that? And then like Juan shows up and like detonate, like it was just so confusing to me. Did, so, did that part also throw you askew? Yes, but I'll tell you how I interpreted it. Okay. So I interpreted it as, and it doesn't mean I'm right at all, but I interpreted it as John left Juan more or less mm-hmm. just walked away. And yeah, it was a pretty quick cut to all of a sudden John is behind this mound watching this building and he was waiting for people to go in, Mm -hmm. which I assumed he was waiting and thinking that it was Juan and Juan's men going into this building. And so he basically set up a trap for them Uh to get rid of them. To blow them up. Okay. Yeah, to blow them up. And then... All of a sudden, Juan appears right in front of him. Yeah. And, and Juan presses the detonator. And then he's asking, him, Who were those men? Because he's like, It's not you, Juan, and it's not okay. your guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he basically says, Don't like, I thought I remember him saying, like, Don't worry about it. Don't worry about who those people were. Um, yeah. If what you're saying is true, that starts to add in more pieces to the puzzle for me in terms of if yeah. he says, like, Oh, it's a German guy. Don't worry about the German guy yeah. anymore. Buckenbach or like something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, but the it, guy... it was just so abrupt, and I was kind of like, how did, like, I felt like something was missing, but I don't think that's yeah. the case because, like, it kind of sounds like most of the stuff that was missing has been put back and is giving us more context, which is great. Yeah. But like this part was still kind of confusing for me. There's um, other confusing bits, <laughs> so so yeah. I think I think I think and maybe that... it's a me problem. You know, you obviously no. were able to put 
something together like where i was yeah, kind of just like a little bit lost <laughs> i don't i ended up lost in other parts of this film too and i'm just i basically i only watched it once but i ref, i didn't i guess i just in the moment maybe it's because i had so many commercial commercial breaks watching it on <laughs> Tubi that yeah. i it gave, it gave me a chance to like piece together what i just sure. watched yeah. but um i that's just how i interpreted yeah. it it kind of doesn't matter yeah no and then from there the story flow was for the most part making sense i mean the whole thing with sean is flashbacks that's a whole other thing but like the main story was you know fine um and even this like i'm not even trying to complain and be like oh this was so bad it didn't make sense i'm just like this was like one part that really stood out to me where i got a little confused and wasn't sure how we got from point a to point b and i I sort of felt like something was missing but i don't know like maybe it was just me not picking up on some of the subtle nuance i'm clues you, you don't know how happy i am if you're confused because <laughs> i come into these always confused um oh yeah so wait i typically ask this question was this your first time seeing this movie yes oh first okay time. first time. yeah so th- okay so that's exciting yeah so, uh obviously it was my first time watching this movie but okay so so yeah i'm jumping way ahead uh to the well, scene you, were, you where... said you were starting to talk about the bank right is that yeah yeah okay. yeah yeah that's yeah. what so I was they, get, they jump get to the bank to... yep they get to the bank and this is just you know i kind of have standout scenes without referencing my notes or anything that yeah. just i really liked and one of the things i was going to say and this relates to a degree to both what you were saying and what i'm going to say is that as far as script goes you know sergio tends to lean less on dialogue more on visuals whether it's the language like so many languages getting thrown around on set or it's just his film style or the fact that he wants more global appeal you know so i think because of that sometimes you're left to just try to piece together what you're seeing without it being said or explained yeah um but it also works in favor of the movie in the sense of juan goes in they take out the guards which you know whatever kind of doesn't matter um they take out the guards for the bank but then they're basically in the lower level i believe and they're he's shooting open doors and with each door he's clearly expecting gold piles of gold yeah he's he's like under and there's like all the vaults and things they've made it through all all the guards so it's like time to get my rewards Mm -hmm. and he shoots open this first door and it's this room full of people and he's just like yeah like and and there's no dialogue it's just facial expressions Mm -hmm. Uh, and it is a great job communicating everything through his face um yeah and he shoots and and basically then he goes to the next door more people and he continues on and his expressions just gets much that much more like bewildered and frustrated and and, uh and then it does this amazing shot where it shows this whole hallway with this sort of arch ceiling just like full of people yeah (laughs) we went in with like his small mob and it's just this it looks like a a packed subway tunnel right right. all all the people that he freed from these cells which he's expecting gold yeah Um, and they're like they're political prisoners yeah the punchline is basically he gets out and 
John tells him, oh, no, they moved the money a month ago. Yeah. He's like, yeah, these are all political prisoners. You know, you're a hero. Yeah, you're a hero of the revolution. And, and Juan, like, he had no interest in being a revolutionary. He just wants no. to do his bandit thing and kind of take care of himself yeah. and his family. Like, you know, while he's in a very moral gray area where he doesn't seem to just really, it's almost like he's, you know, he's amoral. Like, he doesn't really see yeah. right and wrong. He just, he's doing his thing. But he does care about his family, his sons, and you yes. know, protecting them. That's really important to him. But it's like, even when they got to this town, it's, it's almost like a police state kind of thing. You see all these soldiers mm-hmm. marching around. And uh, even when they were breaking into the bank, or, you know, plotting, they're, they're breaking into the bank. And he was like, look at all these soldiers and guards and the protection. He's like, there must be so much money in there. <laughs> it's like, yeah. totally, like, it makes sense. Like, it's not the money, but it's these prisoners. That's why there's yeah. so much security. But yeah, so he unwillingly yeah. frees them and becomes this hero and it finds himself involved in this revolution that he didn't want to be a part of and as an audience member too you're as clueless as Juan is going into the situation it's not like you know they show a scene that he's not in or whoa they move the money or whatever no you're 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 finding this out as he finds it out so right right um but I will say while that scene was fun it's mixed in with a scene before of basically people Ex- getting executed in this when they reach this town and they're right. hi- hiding behind but then there's some kind of visual gags where there's like the poster of um the governor uh, yeah the governor and they mm-hmm. he basically rips the eyes yeah. away from it and then it's mm-hmm. peeking his eyes out it's kind of yeah, like i love old... that <laughs> me too oh it's uh, it looks great it's fantastic yeah. i mean and there were a lot of cool shots like that's what just, I was just say. for example I mean, of that one, that, yeah, just cool framing yeah. and kind of unique, unique angles and just visually interesting. Yeah, very visually interesting. I mean, even though I didn't love for a fistful of dollars, and I did like the the subsequent movies, but I even with that, I admitted that I'm like, okay, he's a unique style of directing, and you know, it's only increased and maintained with yeah, this movie yeah. so everything that's shot in it i mean because i'm not calling it out specifically try to when it can but is really well shot very interesting cinematography and one thing that i guess from the behind the scenes info that i found out which might is probably different than yours i just looked around on youtube was that sergio with each movie was really looking to do something bigger and bigger yeah definitely uh, more grandiose yeah, and that's sort of how he measured his success of movies was yeah. I can do this bigger thing now and something that's yeah. more challenging versus there was people, I guess, advising him, like, just do a small thing that's like, yeah, low you know, budget. Real... Yeah, yeah. Don't make it a big deal. Yeah. But no, so, the man had vision. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he really did. So anyway, but yeah, we've got this. So from a political standpoint, the governor um, – like they show people getting executed and someone spits on the governor before the poster of the governor. As yeah, his like he... last request of yeah. what he wanted to do. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then, you know, these guys get shot down. So, you know, you're, you're getting an idea of the revolution that's going on, which I'm a little confused with timelines because I thought there was another scene earlier where they had mentioned the revolution had passed, like the revolution had happened. But clearly, maybe this is a town or a group where things are still fighting yeah. against the the 
Yeah. Well, in the 1900s, like this is set in 1913. This is supposed to be like the beginning of like the Mexican Revolution. Oh, but, it's at the beginning. But okay. we have John who came from Ireland and he's okay. like an Irish Republican um, and essentially mm -hmm. like a very early member of the IRA, which hadn't been officially established yet, but was basically kind of like on its way, essentially. So there was a whole revolution in Ireland that John took place in and that he kind of remembers some bits of that in like his flashbacks sure. with his friend or whatever. So I wonder if maybe they were talking about the revolution's over they, they were referring to like another country's revolution possibly that, that um, and there may have also been more sense. like than the one revolution in mexico i'm like yeah not that up on my history so yeah no neither but am definitely I. there yeah. was like an irish revolution that that john was involved with involved in before he wound up in mexico so okay so let me i kind of have to look at my notes in terms of if we're not I, okay, so I'm just sort of throwing this in here, but we do have to talk about kind of our big bad in a way. We do have this. I'm I'm saying he's German because he he's he's a Mexican, but he looks yeah. German. He looks yeah. like the, like the yeah. What's the he word? is? You know what I mean? <laughs> a Nazi. He looks yeah. like a Nazi. He, but he like, looks like like a like a general, yeah. like a Nazi general. Oh yeah, like, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like he looks like he's out of Indiana Jones. Yeah. Like, you know, and I he's mean, got like the armored truck, like, yeah, for, from that time, yeah, you know, very yeah. old timey, like the first armored yeah. thing that, that there ever was, probably, but old timey to the point of where it looks like is this based on something real or is this you cobbled together with the, the bits that you had? Because it almost looks comical with the way that he's sticking out of it. It looks like, like a Mario Kart, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, but I, I like it, but it's, it's unique. It's a really weird, I'm not going to call it a tank because visually yeah. everything's entirely different. It's like a sort of armored truck type of thing. Yeah, but it's this dome. With yeah, like, like, like a, a bubble. <laughs> yeah, like a bubble. It's like the Pope's car. He like in a way. sits in it. But it's like the yeah, Bowser teacup. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. So it's very unique yeah. and, uh, and visually interesting. And this character, I basically wrote down because... I mean, I said, I'm like, this guy's not German, but clearly this is a German character. Yeah, and <laughs> like, he was cast because he looked that way and he was kind of meant to represent yeah. that. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was I, definitely like a nod to like, you know, th this is happening and like, I'm going to reference it in my film. And like, even the thing when, um, okay, again, I'm maybe getting a little ahead of myself, but there, there's a whole thing oh, with the bridge ahead. getting blown up, which we can talk yep. about in a little more detail in a minute. But it's, sure. you know, it's a big event that happens. Um, and basically you've got Juan and John um, kind of staking out this group of the um, the Mexican federales or whatever that are crossing this bridge and they start shooting at them to kind of, um, you know, get them to be in disarray but they also have dynamite planted around this bridge that they're going to blow up which which they do and they take mm -hmm. out all these like soldiers essentially i mean not every single soldier but like a lot of them obviously and his family and the group of bandits like he had sent them off like separate and he was like we'll meet up later in, in these caves you know go there to be safe and we'll meet up with you later but essentially it's like whatever survivors of um these soldiers and this whole entourage that got taken out they they killed all the people in the caves 
Um, and that was also, I guess, a nod to something that happened in France oh, yeah. in like the 60s, where there really was like a massacre of like hundreds of civilians by like Nazis that were in like France at the time. And then they just like basically buried everyone inside these cave walls and like hoped no one would ever discover it. But then like much yeah. later when they were like, you know, fi finally expelled from the country or whatever, like it, yeah, like they, people found out what happened and it became this like big memorial and everything because of the tragedy and, and the huge amount of loss of life and everything. But that was like something that really happened and then so having this um incident in these like cave grottos where um juan ends up losing his family and basically his whole um, group of people they got you know taken out in these caves and it was definitely like a nod to this like real historical tragedy that happened so stuff like that like sergio leone like with intention wanted to kind of like point out and especially at the time he knew that audiences watching this you know in the current times would like make these connections and he was yeah portraying his like becoming dis disillusioned with um the revolution and wanting to kind of just convey some of that sentiment and kind of show up. I think maybe some of the ugliness of what was happening and, and the violence and that it's not just like this happy-go-lucky thing. Like there's very real and severe consequences and like this is what's happening type of thing. Oh, yeah, I thought it was it was at that point that I mean, it's, that's the real gut, the first gut punch of this movie where because you even have when they're shooting up the bridge you know, you see people kind of flailing around and stuff, mm -hmm. and uh, Juan's gun like jams initially or won't yeah. fire. He, he doesn't really know how to work that, like you know, machine gun or early style machine gun, whatever yeah. automatic weapon. And and then it just starts kind of going off random, yeah. and then jo John joins in, and and yeah. then you know they fire the they blow up the bridge and yeah. as an audience you're kind of like yay the good guys are winning the bad guys got taken out haha sure. and then then it cuts to that other scene and you're like oh yeah god this just became really real yeah. because the ca the camera just in case you somehow didn't recognize who these characters were before which they do make an effort to make them distinct enough that you will the camera moves to each and every person with their eyes open dead yeah. you know literally ch children children his father so an old man uh, uh you know right a bunch of and it's really very purposeful and you know this many years later watching this movie being so far away from quote-unquote current events still impactful still yeah, reads absolutely. pretty clearly as what it's in reference to i don't mean the exact event which you know i found out about later but i just mm. mean the general right um slaughter you know yeah, or even that scene when it's one of the scenes when they're like i think either first getting to mesa verde or just like an establishing shot of the city and there's this like panning shot of the camera and you kind of just like observe yes. what's going on and there's basically these big trenches with um people political prisoners later. yeah it's yeah. toward the end of the film yeah you're right it's more toward the end or like the third hour third act yeah um but uh, hour. yeah <laughs> well, the last 40 minutes i don't know yeah but yeah there's all these political prisoners um in these trenches and you see them being taken out and it's like so reminiscent of like nazi germany and like the concentration yes. camps and like footage and we've seen and you know stories we've heard and it's even just like it's a little maybe 30 second 40 second panning shot that's just like establishing what's going on here it's not even integral to the story but it's it's you know it has an impact you get an eyeful and you know you know exactly what's going on in that city I feel like that scene was will always stay in my mind. Like it's it was so quick, but it was so impactful. Mm -hmm. And and honestly, just the setup for all of it to actually yeah. film it too was sure very, very complicated, yeah. very elaborate. But yeah, it's, it's literally people just 
getting, I mean, it's also, I mean, technically from a point of view, the way it's filmed, very complicated yet effective in mm-hmm. showing. Sure. It's, it's, it's a very technically complicated and interesting shot. You should watch it if you can handle Mm-hmm. the material that's being shown mm-hmm. but from a from a that's the other gut gut punch that i was referring to um maybe the end as well but uh past the scene where it's Juan's family just kind of scaling it to right. this mass murder mm-hmm. and also just this unstoppable force that's right. just doing this and also totally helpless individuals so yeah it's it's, it's incredibly effective yeah and, yeah and it's interesting because it somehow manages to be like it's subtle but mm-hmm. it's also in your face like it's in your face but mm-hmm. it's like still subtle somehow it, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. really remarkable it's and literally if you like look away from the screen you could miss this, absolutely this you really could and, yeah you miss and, it. yeah but it really feels like this is a scene that historians would maybe reference or like i didn't look into how popular this film was and i don't think it was as popular as his others yeah, it's apparently one of his most like underrated or something that makes sense i mean but this feels like something that people would reference right. you know in in history classes or mm. things they'll be like show the scene and it felt it felt incredibly significant yeah. both in an emotional impact to give you an idea of actually being in a situation and how horrific it is but also just how quickly it can convey that information so right. you know the the magic of filmmaking to for something so terrible sure, to sure. Um, you know so anyway it, it's 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 hard to praise something that's horrific you but know it's also good not to ignore it you know yeah, but he's also exactly. not like shoving it in your face or like beating you over the head with it it's just kind of in the background he's like this is what was going on at the time and that's another thing too it's like there's obviously like this is set in the mexican revolution we have Mm -hmm. these like references to the nazis we have these references to this like political tragedy that happened in france like all these things that you know it's like it seems like oh this is like a political film you know but like even Sergio Leone was like no like this isn't a political film he's like that's the background that it's set in but he was yeah. like, this is a film about friendship. Like, that was a major thematic thing to him, like, that it's friendship, even though there is all this other stuff in the background, and, like, that's yeah. what it's set, but that's not necessarily what it's about. Which is, which, at first, I would want to call BS on that, but in watching the movie, I wouldn't, because yeah. I agree. I feel like that is true, because if you look at the real world, people continue to live lives mm-hmm. despite what's going on around them and sure. what's going on in the world, you know? Mm-hmm. People, we're, we're here because people continue to procreate in the worst of times and carry on their bloodlines and move and do things which lead to other things. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's like we said, you see that evolution of these characters as they continue to attempt to live their lives. When Juan loses his entire family, he moves that much closer to John, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, sure. I don't... I, because uh, who else does he have at that point? Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. Before, maybe he was using him for, hey, I want to get rich and for my family and this and that. Now he doesn't have that. Now he has just this guy that he met, which was originally just someone he was using. Right. But, but, but they've kind they've, of they've grown formed closer. a bond at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And at this point, too, Juan is being sort of literally carried on the shoulders of other men as sure. this political hero. Right, right. Even so, though he doesn't want that. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. At all. 
Yeah. Um, and to your like, oh, I call bullshit point, um, which I, I know you said like I do and I don't. But yeah, because it's like, you know, he's saying this isn't a political film. It's just the environment it's set in and like, OK, yeah, that's true. But at the same time, it's like the fact that he that he cared and took, you know, the time and the energy and the initiative to include these things. It's like it obviously does have an impact on him. He obviously thought it was important enough to incorporate. So in that sense, it's like he is still trying to say something, maybe even if he doesn't realize it, which is kind of a cool thing, because it's almost like these are some of like he's coming to terms with this, like, you know, in, in real time, I would assume you know, yes. at, at that time. And yes. he's having like these feelings feelings and he's seen these things and so he's moved to like depict it on screen even if maybe he doesn't fully understand like what to do about it or you know what can he like I don't know I'm like obviously kind of reading into this at this point but just because of that statement of like oh no it's not like a political film it's it's, it's about this but yet we have all this stuff you know in the background that we're seeing it just makes me think that like in a way even maybe on a subconscious level like this was his way of kind of working out like these thoughts and these feelings and maybe processing what he was learning about and what he was seeing going on and that this is how he expressed himself by having it like in the background of this film even though that's not necessarily what he, the film he set out to make type of thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. I, got I mean, little, I got a little rambly there. <laughs> no, no, I think it's great. I think in support of what you just said, and uh, we'll start talking about these flashbacks a little mm -hmm. because we've got Sean or John's flashback. Sean. <laughs> so in support of what you were saying in terms of him coming to terms of the political side of things, and I, I just splintered off a new thought, new branch in my head of something I want to discuss with you. Okay. But um, he, so <sighs> Ducky Sucker, I still feel like is a bad name for this movie now that we've got into the heavier themes of it, which is why I still feel like Once Upon a Time, The Revolution, uh, the revolution is, is, while it's a mouthful, I think it's a much more, more fitting. fitting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because... It shows the reality of the revolution. We also have the flashbacks to one that John was younger, and we know he's younger because he has no facial hair. Yeah. <laughs> so, but hey, it helps. Although yeah, I was he's a little more like neatly groomed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he is so ridiculously, I mean, ridiculous, purposefully amped up to 11, happy, happy in these scenes. Joyful. Uh, yeah, joyful. And we see. Well, honestly, the John that we have in the present of the movie mm -hmm. is not a cold and hateful individual. Yeah, you know? no, he's he kind of got messed with, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, um, but in these flashbacks, we see a transformation mm -hmm. of a person. He goes from this, you know, whimsical, happy-go-lucky character, which there's other things we'll talk about there, to other events that show him being involved in his own revolution and things getting a lot more real. So without fully disclosing those details, the question that I had for you, which we can lead into the spoilers for the, for the flashbacks was if Sergio is saying this movie is about friendship, mm. what does it say about John's friendship in his mm. flashbacks? Mm -hmm. That's, that's huge. Yeah. And okay, so let's talk through the the absolute weirdness in these flashbacks. So I first wrote, so we see them in a car. We see John and his, I'll just say it's his friend because yeah. I Nolan. really have no other, yeah, I've really no if other details. Yeah. His friend. Of, yeah. Okay, so it's his friend, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it's John is, is John driving? 
No, I think they're friends driving. Okay, that's that's how I had it in my head. So the friends driving, and John is has with this woman who I believe is like in the back seat, mm-hmm. and they're they're kissing, and they're like less than a foot away from the guy that's driving. Yeah. And everyone everyone is just smiling, laughing. Is it, yeah, smiling and laughing and having having uh, a ball. Yeah, exactly. And you know, my notes were just like love to make love to make out with my girlfriend less than a foot <laughs> away from less than a foot away from my best friend yeah, yeah. you know that's, that's pretty much like, what's happening yeah and i'm like so weird cut to later we have and these flashbacks are all out of order so we have the same scenario again but they're like by a tree and this is the one at the very end now that you're talking about yeah yeah this okay. is okay is that is that okay if i kind of no, that's yeah that's fine that's fine link, but link I just want, like this is like this happens at the end it's like this big reveal at the end for us for the viewer yeah yeah yeah, yeah it is it is um, i'm just mentioning that for context not because i'm trying to like stop you from saying anything oh sure just yeah. context for the listeners I'm I'm stuttering because you're, I'm still trying to wrap my head around everything. So uh, not what I saw, but what it means. So you've then got the scene with John once again making out more with this lady by a tree, mm-hmm. and and I'm just like, huh, okay, so weird because his friend is so also kind of just like frolicking around with them. Frolicking, yeah, and he's just like smiling big at them, running around. Yeah, with his face right near their faces, they're making out. And then all of a sudden, you know, I just thought it was bizarre. And maybe like, this was like, he doesn't understand people or something like that. (laughs) Personal space. Yes, exactly. And then all of a sudden, this woman starts then turns and basically starts making out with the other guy. With the other guy, yeah. Yeah, and then I'm like, what the hell? And then it cuts to John, and he is just all teeth. Still smiling. All teeth. Nonplussed. Loving it. Yeah. yeah, loving it. So just wait until it's his turn again. <laughs> yeah, just so bizarre. And yeah, so we have this like polyamorous relationship, this sort of menage a trois type relationship. And it's shocking. And I don't say yeah. that because I'm like some big prude over here. No. I was just, I was so not expecting to see that in this film that's set in like 1913. And it's about all this other stuff. And then you're like, wait, okay, John's having flashbacks to like when he was in this polyamorous relationship. Like just what is going on? It was so bizarre. It's, it's so bizarre. It Because it, <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't seem and maybe we'll make sense of it by talking but it doesn't seem to fit in with anything it really doesn't like that's why it's so weird yeah i mean and then the only thing about that is like we get some other flashbacks like you said they're all kind of like mixed up so like these ones are wedged like in the middle of the film i think and it's after like there's like some violent actor happened in like the current situation then you see john kind of like thinking back flashing back to um like being in this bar or this pub in ireland and then his friend this nolan guy or whatever his name is he comes in and he's got some like soldiers or maybe they're cops like irish cops at the time I'm not sure. And they come in with it and he kind of points out John. So it's kind of like what, what we're piecing or what I was piecing together is that he's kind of like selling out his friend or like something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then like John ends up like, I think, I think shooting, shooting the guards or like, does he shoot his friend too? I'm kind of like okay. a little fuzzy on the details now. So I watched this a few I, days ago. So, and only because I, and we're piecing this together, yeah, yeah. Uh, together, because <laughs> I, I watched on YouTube those flashbacks of just the bar scene in order. Mm-hmm. So there's one scene where 
there's the men, including John's friend, and they're all sitting, and some guy's basically like handing them sheets, some sort of documents to like either sign up for revolution yeah you, know, you kind of see like some little hints of them being in the revolution like at, in yeah. ireland at that time so you know they're involved in that the, the two guys the two friends yep. yep and then basically so i think it's this from a narrative standpoint they were best buds sharing a lady and then the revolution came to town and they either one of them uh, i mean i think they both joined but basically it sounds like the friend of john's turned stool pigeon or narc right. whatever you want to call Something it like that and yeah he was in the bar with the cops and for whatever Kinda reason sold him out or you know yeah they're going down the line and let some other people go and then they get to john and john spins around with a shotgun wrapped in a newspaper blasts the cop and his friend is basically looking content like yeah like you got him i'm free and things are good again yeah yeah and and, and then john and it's kind of off frame and implied. And you just see the reaction of John's friend's face and some additional blood kind of splash. Yeah. But then jo- John. So it's like he got the- shot too, right? Yeah. He he purposely, he shoots the guards, each individually, the guy on the right, the guy on the left, um, John's right and left. Then he aims for the middle and he blasts okay, his yeah. friend, friend, friend that uh, turned tail on him basically you know told on him yeah. and, and so you're kind of like out. why like it makes no sense right but then at the very end when we see mm-hmm. this re- reveal that like oh they, they all like this lady that had something going on with the two of them yep. and yeah they they did seem okay with it at the time but sure. maybe somewhere in there someone got jealous something went sour yep. someone didn't want to share anymore quote unquote i don't yep. know which yep. would explain why you know, those two friends would have you know, either sold each other Head out, or, out or shot yep. each other. Yeah. So it and it starts to make a little bit of sense, but it's really all like just so out there in a way. Like you just like you said, you're not just expecting that at all. So when it yeah. happens, you're like, wait, what? It's very unexpected and it's purposely scrambled in the mm-hmm. sequence of events and just yeah. It's I I mean, I like it. Yeah, but you do plot, have to like piece point. it together a bit. You have to. You really do, and especially the first watch through. I think this mm-hmm. is definitely a movie that benefits from a second watch through, which neither of us had time to do. But yeah. you know, well, and for me, uh, like I watched some bonus features, and I listened mm-hmm. to about ninety minutes of the commentary. I didn't get through the oh. whole thing. Mm-hmm. I started it yesterday, and I thought I might finish it today, but I just got caught up with other stuff. But like Who, hearing some of the people talk about things helped fill in some of the like minor gaps. Who did the commentary? It was yeah. Sir Christopher Frayling. So it's it's okay. the poster guy. Who the, he's, like he's Sergio Leone's biographer. Um, oh okay. Yeah, and I have a second commentary on the disc too by Alex Cox, but I, I didn't get to that oh, yeah. one. But I, yeah, at some point I'll circle back because I re- I really did enjoy this movie and would yeah. love to just dig into it more and hear more and have more things explained to me. <laughs> me too. Me no, too. It really I shouldn't is. say that because it's not like it's like oh this big confusing film like that's not the case. It was more like there were these little instances where things didn't quite add up, but it was never enough yeah. to really take me out of it. You know, like I was still if enjoying anything- the ride. If anything, it probably pulled me in deeper because yeah, I was trying to like trying to wrap my head around it. Yeah, if, I yeah. feel like the whole like let, let's you know two, two hour forty minute movie, give or take, mm-hmm. and like is it really that it. long? Yeah, but like you know that okay. that whole stagecoach opening scene and then meeting John and all of that, like 
I was like totally enthralled. And I think I paused it at one point to like use the loo or something. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I've like watched an hour of this already. Like it blew by for me, you know? And then I was like, same thing, like watching it all unfold and everything. And then I paused it to, you know, take another quick break or whatever. And I'm like, oh, this is like another chunk of this movie. I'm like, this is just flying by. And then it the, the final like 40 to 60 minutes of it, I started feeling maybe like a little bit of like, fatigue like not not bad bad but just a little bit like all right um this isn't totally like flying by but like i I was still really just fascinated and engrossed like the whole time yeah i i mean there's probably some areas where i dipped out but Mm -hmm. how long did you say it was two hours 40 minutes okay yeah i'm seeing i don't doubt you at all uh, I mean, there's shorter cuts, obviously, but it kind of sounds exactly. like you, what you watched was what I watched. Like it sounded yeah, like yeah, you, yeah. I know the it quote was. was something that was taken out, and like majority yeah. of the flashback stuff was taken out, but you saw all that. So, but I would suggest to anyone who's going to find this, if you look online, you will see a two-hour cut. You will see two-hour and twelve-minute cut. Look for the long cut. Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna watch it, watch watch this cut, edit. Yeah. Uh, or sure. yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I mean, we can touch on anything you want, but I kind of wanted to talk on. Oh, I did. I did want to mention a few random things, mm-hmm. and then we can talk about the ending if you're okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, the I want to mention the fact that the bad guy. I'm just going to call him the Nazi general mm-hmm. because that's that's really what he is. I mean, not really, but that's what he's supposed you know alludes to. Yeah. But he's he sucks eggs. And there was a horror movie that I'd watched, and I can't remember which one it is. Um, but well, let's just same... specify to the listeners: Cablasto lit- literally means he sucks eggs. Literally. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he literally, yeah, sucks an egg. <laughs> which, you know, it was a term I would hear on like Ren and Stimpy, like your grandmother sucks eggs, and I'm yeah. like, what that? What the hell is that? <laughs> and you know, I'm just like, oh, you know, I get the general gist, but. Never knew it was a thing that people actually did. Yeah. So it's like they make a little hole in the raw yeah. egg and like drink yeah. it and suck out the egg. And it's so gross. I want to know if anyone in real life sucks eggs. Uh, right into spafreddypod at gmail.com. <laughs> let us know if, that, if you suck eggs or know anyone that did. Uh, we will not name names. You can be anonymous. So, <laughs> but uh, Or if your grandmother sucks eggs or mother. Uh, okay. So... Go suck an egg. <laughs> I, I, yeah, now I, I'm just going to go off on a tangent about this eggs. This podcast does not endorse egg sucking. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So I've got notes, but they're all related to the last scene. And do you have a note about when Juan flips the bird? Uh, I have, I have a lot of notes of Juan cursing and. Mm-hmm. Saying like you taught me one thing, how to get fucked. Yeah, uh, things like that. I don't want to be a yeah, hero. They say, I just want they to say fucking a few times. Yeah, and there's the flipping the bird. I mean, and this is all like it's not a big deal, but it's like yeah, we've been watching these movies and like it's not something you hear or see very frequently. So again, it's just like more like crudities and things like that. Yeah. In fact, I believe I even heard in the UK version they had they cut out the swearing. There was like there's too many f bombs and whatever, so that was cut Why? out from the film. By the censors, yeah. We're okay. We're okay with the slaughter. Just don't swear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Um, no, I think I think also like there were some like more violent scenes that were that were cut as well. But this movie, 
I would hate to see a cut version, but I can see a million places where not for length or not for, but where they would want to cut it because of the topics that are in it. So, but yeah, um, it's, it's a oh, film. So I'm just going to go machine gun on this and mention a few things that we didn't talk about, but we've got a scene where two trains are on the same track going towards each oh, other. Right. Mm-hmm. And right, right, that, right. Oh yeah, that was with the doctor. Like, there's all these oh, yeah. crazy. We didn't even talk that much about the doctor, which is fine. No, I mean, he was which kind is of a fine. minor character, but. But I will say this: there, this movie still has like crazy action scenes and a bunch of other stuff. We kind of got more into the, the heady stuff, which yeah, I'm, ha- the which I'm fine stuff, with. Stuff, which like there yeah. was a lot of character stuff to chew on in this, especially in the uncut version. But there are a lot of things that we are leaving. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a two-hour, forty-minute movie, people. Like, yeah, we can't yeah. touch so, on everything, or we'll be here all night. And, but and watch, you don't, you watch, don't want that. Nobody yeah. wants that. But watch it because there's a lot of things we did not mention that are. It's, it's worth watching. It's very yeah. entertaining, well crafted, well shot film. So, if you don't mind, let's jump to the conclusion. Yes. Because there's things to talk about there. Basically, the guys get separated. They end up back together. Juan is fighting off a bunch of soldiers mm-hmm. along with oh, right. the re- rest of the revolutionaries, I guess. Yeah. Um, John ends up back with them, and they literally give each other thumbs up <laughs> from, a, from a distance. Uh, and you can just feel the love permeating yeah. from the tips of their thumbs uh, as they lock eyes. And then, of course... And I'll let you, you know, jump in it wherever you want. But John gets shot, and he does—he's just doing a dance, basically, and to kind of like be like, "What the hell is happening?" At first, rather than just blatantly showing like a blast of blood or anything, mm-hmm. he just kind of starts like moving awkwardly and then looking, having a, a disconcerting look in his face. And yeah, he's getting shot. We find out it's our egg sucker. That's shooting him, who's kind of been a thorn in the side of everyone mm-hmm. all throughout. And there's a moment, I think Quan sees it happen, and there's kind of like a moment yeah. in the film where he's, he's kind of like frozen in time as he realizes that John, that his friend's been shot. And we have that like pause, and then I believe Juan actually takes out the the bad guy, the egg sucker. So it's like he gets that, you know, revenge for his friend or whatever. But yeah, but John is still shot. Um, so he kind of gets oh. down on the ground with him. Yeah, no, go Be- ahead. Before you get there, yeah, I thought I thought this was crazy, and I haven't seen this in a movie. This is like when you play a video game and they've ragged all physics. <laughs> um, but Juan has that machine gun and he shoots this guy. I'm just going to call him German. Um, shoots the yeah. German, and he keeps shooting him, and he keeps shooting him, and he keeps shooting him. And it's not like a bloody corpse, but the body just like is like rolling and like moving. And I think he shoots him to the point where he like falls off a hill or something, but he is just, he's taking all of his emotions and just dumping them. Laying like, into this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Killing this guy is not enough. He just yeah, wants he has to, to destroy him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a very powerful scene in yeah. terms of, and this is the probably emotions. the man, I mean, you know, as a figure for the, the rest of the army or whatever, like who, who yeah. took out his family, you know? Yeah. So Yeah. He holds yeah. him responsible. So I thought that was very unique. I've never seen that in a movie because it wasn't done for, it wasn't done in a macho way. 
and it wasn't done in a funny way, humorous way. Yeah, it's um, like raw emotion. Yeah, raw emotion. There's not dialogue in the scene. It's just sounds and music and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, so he takes him out, and like you said, then he gets to to John on the ground. And he's kind of talking to him, and he's kind of like telling, like, stay awake, talk to me. You know, I'm not sure if they both realize that it's not. Well, go ahead. <laughs> as you're talking about this emotional scene i start laughing <laughs> I, I i wrote it down because i forgot that when john gets shot while i feel like there should not be dialogue they dubbed in some dialogue and it's john going oh shit <laughs> it's john by the way yeah. you know irish john but literally i wrote it down verbatim that's that was the dub that was <laughs> that, in that was there. the moment so, he realized that like this is a serious shot it's not just a yes. flesh wound or whatever yes yeah but and yeah so- he does realize it and juan's trying to be like look at me talk to me and he's like i'm gonna go get some help and sean's like all right he pulls like a cigar or maybe it's a joint i'm not sure he, but it, it looked a little fatter he pulls a cigar out yeah. of his like coat pocket or something and he's like oh do you have a light so you know juan does he lights the cigar for him and then he's like okay like you know you stay here i'm gonna go get help i just so, realized that's a callback when they first met and yeah, he first yeah, yeah. has the dynamite and asks him for a light yeah and that's mm-hmm. when he blows up the stagecoach it's but, absolutely a callback but yeah, yeah so and so you know he he lights a cigar for his friend his wounded friend and he's like you stay here i'm gonna go get help and like so he does go try to find someone and then you know the camera or whatever it's where it cuts away from john like we're not looking directly at him i think we're maybe just surveying the the scene of the battle or whatever the burning train or whatever is chaos is going on at the moment but then we we hear a big explosion um and we can kind of put piece together in our minds what has happened that you know john wasn't just asking for a light to, so he could smoke his cigar to like pass the time you know i think he knew he was dying so he was having a cigar but he really wanted that light handy so he could use it as you know a light to ignite um some dynamite uh that was the cause of the big explosion and that essentially um was the end of him as well do you have any thoughts to add yeah and a question mm-hmm. because there is the line where Juan says something along the lines of like you know what about me well yeah that's at the very end so it's like after sean basically like blows himself up because i think he realizes there's no hope or whatever then, then Juan is just left there by himself. He's he no longer has his family, no father, no kids, not no even the like he has no gang at all, even the non-relatives that that were that, um, banditing with him. And now he doesn't have John either, so he's he's alone. And he's what about me? Like what what the fuck do I do now? So it's very uh, it's a, it's kind of a sad somber moment to to end on, but it definitely makes an impact. You know, definitely makes you feel something. Would you say he went out with a bang? Yes, I would say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I thought it was a very impactful ending. Mm-hmm. And um, in terms of sequence, does it then go to the flashback where they reveal the, the relationship or does that happen before this? Hold on. I'm Am not I sure, look at my notes. Mm, no, 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 no. That happens before. The flashback it, it, happens before? It does. Okay. Because I was kind of thinking him saying that was like the final, final thing, but I'm, it is. I'm it not is. Sure. Okay. And then it ends with, and then Duck You Sucker, the title comes up. It ends with an explosion, and then Duck You Sucker comes up on the screen over okay. Juan's face. So <laughs> it's 
seems like so now imagine that title being like once upon a time the revolution coming up over his face and it being that much more like oof you know yeah, like yeah like mocking the 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 fairy tale nature and sure. also the reality of the revolution with it's, it's not what, just a pretty picture it's it's yeah. violence and heartache yeah yeah destroying more, people's lives yeah yeah much and leaving you with nothing it's much more impactful than <laughs> duck you sucker coming you up at the end. Stuff. <laughs> yeah oh my god it's just yeah, yeah, I don't know. They really sucked the life out of this one. But then again, Fistful of Dynamite was actually the name I had to find this movie by on Tubi. Okay. So, so all these names aside, Fistful of Dynamite is what I had to, that is yeah. what I guess it was known, is known by now. I don't know. It depends yeah, I totally guess it on the was, source. When it was initially released in the U.S., um, they they had the duck you sucker, but kind of like you were saying, they were like they didn't like it because they're like this sounds like like a Three Stooges or like some comedic slapstick thing, which it's not. Yeah. And then I think they were gonna try the Once Upon a Time the Revolution, but like that wasn't really like they wanted something that was gonna draw the audiences more. So that's why they picked Fistful of Dollars because they wanted to associate it with the Dollars trilogy that had like or done Fistful. so well, and people like associated yeah. that that name or that that verbiage. With yeah. uh, with Clint and these movies that they liked, so they're like, oh yeah, fistful, and then people want to go see it because they like those movies. Yep. See you, um, and I don't. I'm not saying this to correct you. I'm saying this to prove your point that you just said a fistful of dollars instead of a fistful of dynamite. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. You know what I, I mean, meant, though. You know what I meant. Yeah, but but you proved the point of the fact that it would be that familiarity, right, for right. people to draw them in. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Which. I get. I mean, I also understand why they had a hell of a time marketing this movie, because all of a sudden it's pretty serious in many ways. And I would assume if I didn't watch the trailer, but I would assume if you were to watch the trailer, it would portray this film in an entirely different manner. There's enough there that you could you could make it look like an action oh, movie. Oh yeah, you could. Which you could it cut is. it up like several different ways to make it look like yeah a comedy. You sure. could make it. And, you know, it has all these elements, which is great. But I, I get why they struggled a little. Yeah, so. yeah. But with, but with that being said, forget all that. We're telling you to watch it, so just watch it. <laughs> definitely, so, definitely. But you might have to find it by another name. Like I said, I had to find it by Fistful of Dynamite. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad I saw this one. No, I, I thought it was pretty phenomenal. Me I, too. Um, it's definitely one I will want to revisit i got a lot of enjoyment it's so funny because we're talking about how, like, how heavy it is and the, you know these yeah. sad moments and and that's true there's definitely like a heaviness to it and everything but it was also really enjoyable just like a yeah. really enjoyable captivating story to watch unfold it, it, there's like six movies here you know meaning you could take a thread and and take and just pull that out into its own film um so you could also say this movie is very entertaining Yes, and, and 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 it would be sound completely different from a lot of the things that we really focused on. I think yeah. we're focusing on the contrast to his other films versus sure. the things that might be similar. So there are yeah. similar elements, but yeah, and um, a lot of the stuff that you can maybe argue, maybe we're hyper focusing on it for whatever reason because it stood I out think to we us are. or it made us feel yeah. something. But someone could watch this and like literally like all this stuff could be as it is like just in the background, and you can really mm -hmm. kind of just 
at face value be like, oh, these two guys and they're blowing stuff up and, you know, and it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have to be more than that unless you want it to be, unless you want to, like, dig in and, like, peel away these layers and, like, you know, let yourself feel these things. Yeah, I was just in a mood, I guess, to to have this movie pull me in deeper. But uh, regardless, great editing and directing. And, you know, I mean, this is a director who would, I believe he was in arguing with one of the lead actors, mm-hmm. the guy that played Juan. Rod Seiger. About, yeah, yeah, about like shooting for 24 hours or something ridiculous like right. that. Or they do like because- tons and tons of takes and... Yeah, which he's was notorious for. Yeah, because he wanted he, to get it just right, like the vision in his head yeah. or whatever. Yeah, which which is hell on your team and your actors, but as a director, yeah. I understand. Well, you and know? like you said, like they had their differences and, you know, Rod Steiger walked off on set one day because he was so pissed and like Sergio Leone didn't talk to him for a couple of days or he would only talk to like, go tell blah, 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 so-and-so like to do his lines without wiggling his ear so much, like that sort of oh, thing. Yes. And they were right. butting heads, but they did like work <laughs> it out. They did make their piece and they obviously mm-hmm. finished shooting, completed the film. And then I guess when, you know, later when Rod Steiger did see the finished cut, it's, yeah, he was just so impressed with Sergio Leone's directorial skills and how he frames shots and how he makes the characters and the actors have these like gorgeous grand entrances when they come on screen and he really loved and appreciated that and that's why he did wind up kind of just singing Leone's praises and stuff like that I guess at some seminar that Martin Scorsese was at so it's like on record that he like said all these things and like sung all his praises but yeah I mean he was despite the differences they had like he was ultimately impressed with the filmmaking at the end of the day and like respected him for that despite all the hardship that he endured it makes sense that after he saw the final outcome, he understood exactly, exactly why he what he was put through. Yeah. So, but yeah, I went into this movie with I I will say with the title "Duck You Sucker," thought it was going to be just totally wacky, which would have been weird for Sergio Leone. It, it is a little wacky in some it ways. Is. It, is. it is. It is, and it in starts a good off way. starts off that way a little. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so you're like, okay, I kind of have a feel for this film. And then it takes you on a journey. It mm-hmm. goes all over. Yeah. But it's it's good. I it's mean, good. it was, yeah. Worth the I ride, was, worth the price of admission, as they say. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. There you have it. That's Duck You Sucker. Uh, yeah, or one of the 12 other names. <laughs> so. La Testa. But for now, we have another movie to watch for next week. As we, as we as we jump back into uh, Springwood. Yes. Next week, we will be discussing Freddy versus Jason from 2003, directed by Ronnie Yu. And we are going to have some very special guests on next week to discuss this movie with us. Who are we going to have on here with us, Galasto? Uh, we're going to have Charles Foreman says. Charles Foreman. Forsman. Char- there we go. I got it. Uh, uh, next week. And also Dale underscore A mm-hmm. from the Bat and Spider podcast. Bat and Spider. Yes. <laughs> I can't wait. So excited. Um, yes. I hope they know what they're getting into. <laughs> uh, I will I will apologize in advance to both Chuck and Dale. 
<laughs> right. In the meantime, if anyone wants to uh, send us a letter to be in a mailbag episode, they can email us at spafreddypod at gmail.com. S-P-A-F-R-E-D-D-Y-P-O-D at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. But until next week, ciao for ciao now. Ciao for now. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Getting Freddy Podcast is hosted by Kevin Cablasto and Yoli Zena. Our theme music is composed and performed by Corey McGregor. This episode was edited by Yoli. You can send us feedback at spafreddypod at gmail.com. Ciao for now! suck an egg.